see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you've had a wonderful week. Uh, This is the time of year when I usually have to give you this, uh, this, this information because it is to your advantage, okay? If you plan to go to the mountains to see the changing of the leaves, they peak on Thursdays. Never on Saturday or Sunday, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. If you go on a Saturday or Sunday, you're going to miss the peak. So they peak on Thursdays. So uh, just thought I'd help you out a little bit and make sure you see the, the best, of, uh, best of God's nature there. Thank you again for being here. I hope that uh, whenever you came in, you either picked up or were handed a copy of the bulletin. Please, 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 I'm, uh, I'm asking you to please make sure you read your bulletin and or make sure you read the announcements that are on the screen uh, because very rarely, very rarely do we take the time to go through all of our announcements and inevitably something will come up and someone will say, well, I didn't hear that announced. That's because we didn't announce it. We announced it in the bulletin, and we announced it on the screen. So please make sure you pay attention to those two things. That way you will always be aware of everything that is going on. Uh, One thing in the bulletin I do want to highlight, and that is that next Sunday at the conclusion of our service, we will have a special called conference. Now, the proposal that we'll be voting on is in your bulletin. So hopefully uh, you've picked that up and you've been able to read through that and you'll know exactly what we're voting on. Uh, We will have that next Sunday at the conclusion of our service. Again, thank you for being here today. Good to see you. We're going to take just a moment to pray together. Appreciate Brother Brandon standing in today. Nancy's taking some time off. They're visiting family down in the great state of Louisiana, so they're uh, out of town, so he's going to be filling in for us today, and I appreciate that, Brandon. Thank you so much. But let's pray, then we'll get about the business of why we're here, which is to worship. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, it's so good to be able to be in your house on this Lord's Day. We just thank you, Father, for your reminder uh, of how you have painted this world with such beauty. In the springtime, you give us the beauty of the flowers. In the summertime, Lord, you give us uh, the beauty of of the green fields. And now, Lord, in the fall, you're giving us the beauty of these uh, colors as the leaves change. And we thank you, Father, that you're always reminding us that you are the creator of all things and that you are the one who, who paints this world with the beauty for which we enjoy. Lord, we love you. We thank you for allowing us to be in this place. We know, Lord, that we're not here by accident. Every one of us in this room right now is here by divine appointment. Long before this day ever came about, Lord, you knew that this group of people would meet in this room during this hour. And so, Lord, you have gathered us for a purpose and a reason. And, Lord, we pray that our hearts are going to be open towards you, that The reason for which you've gathered us will become obvious to us as we go through our time together, as we worship together, as we sing together, as we study your word together, as we fellowship together, Lord, that our hearts are going to be open toward you, that you will be able to speak to us and we will hear when you speak. Guide us in all that we do this morning, Lord. We want everything that we do to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus, for it's in that name we pray, amen. One announcement Miss Nancy wants me to make is since she is 
gone this week. There is no choir practice, um, so she won't be here to lead it. So uh, choir practice will not meet this week, but should continue next week. Well, I do want to invite you guys to stand and join us as we join our voices together in worship.
let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Operation Christmas Child is a way for the little children to come to Almighty God. That is the best gift of all, is becoming part of God's family. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are being discipled. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. These children are brave and bold, not afraid, and they're not ashamed of the gospel. They're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. Let them come, Jesus said, let them come. And they're coming. They're coming by the millions. Every single box represents the life of a young boy, a young girl, who will be touched by the gospel. Jesus has come to give them light, that they do not need to be in the darkness, that they have hope, that they have joy. And it is our prayer that this glorious light of the gospel will flow among the nations and will fill our land with the knowledge of the glory of God. The Lord God Almighty desires to fulfill His redemptive plan for mankind in and through each of us and all of us. All of us are children of God. We share this incredible opportunity to take the gospel truly to the ends of the earth by gathering children to Jesus. I believe this year for Operation Christmas Child, this may be the most important year, most important opportunity that we'll ever have to reach children in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray that God will use these shoebox gifts to make a difference in the children's life for eternity. I have some great news for our church. You have an opportunity to share the gospel with children all around the world. For the next month, our church will be collecting Operation Christmas Child boxes. These boxes are filled by you, which are delivered to children all around the world, proving to them that they are special and loved by Jesus and loved by you. Our goal for 2022 is 200 boxes. If you want to participate, please get a box and instructions in the vestibule at the Operation Christmas Child Station. From now until November 20th, the most important thing you can do is pray without ceasing for the children who will get these boxes. I hope that you are all as excited as I am for this opportunity. So let's get busy spreading joy all around the world with this amazing opportunity. I do hope that you will join us in our Operation Christmas Child 
this year as it was a big success last year. Well, I want to invite you to stand once more as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the message to come.
Thank you, Brandon. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us, dear Lord. Now we come to the part of the service where, dear Lord, where we just give a small portion back to you. And, uh, dear Lord, just uh, let us uh, give, a, uh, give it back to you as uh, we see fit. Uh, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. As we were singing that, I was thinking, I'm glad I've got a living hope. A living hope. When the world gets heavy, I've got a living hope. When things go wrong, I've got a living hope. And I'm telling you, um, that should make all the difference in the world for us if we are a born-again believer. That you have a living hope. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you join me in the book of Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. And today we're going to read the first four verses together. And as the video indicated and as Miss Megan so eloquently told us, this is the season of Operation Christmas Child. Uh, just out of curiosity, do you guys need any help with the packing? Yeah, I 
Okay. All right. So be praying about helping us out. We are a collection center for our area, which means all the other churches, all the other individuals, all the other organizations that are collecting, that are building boxes, they'll bring them here uh, as, a, as a collecting point. So we're going to need some help, so be praying about your help with that. Uh, Ms. Jane Ellen, uh, Mr. Ashley will be talking more about that in the days to come. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing of selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Let's take a moment to pray together. Father, again, thank you for the privilege uh, being able to gather together in this house of worship. And Lord, we pray that as we have entered into one of the most sacred and holiest of times, when we open the inerrant, the infallible, the authoritative, inspired Word of God, that these words will now, Lord, have their perfect work in our life. You've told us, Lord, you've promised. Your Word would not return void, but it would accomplish that purpose for which it was sent. And Lord, we know that your word has been sent to us today. So help us, Lord, to hear, but also help us to respond. Lord, we don't want to just have another time of, of study together. Lord, we want to walk out of here transformed, changed by your word, touched by your spirit. Lord, how we pray that in these few moments that we have left together this morning that that you accomplish that in us for which you brought us here to accomplish. And Lord, may our, may our hearts be open to receive that which you have for us today. It's our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking a lot about biblical community and our Me to We series. And if ever there's been a a message that has been so imp is important for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the New Testament church, is now. We live in a world that is fractured. We live in a, a world that is constantly calling us to take sides on issues and upon uh, problems and ideas and opinions. But if ever there was a time when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the New Testament church, or to be bound together in biblical community, it is now. And so it's a very timely subject matter for which we are looking at today. Biblical community is present when the members of the body of Christ, that is every born-again believer, it doesn't matter whether they are in this building or in a church building down the street, across town, or around the world, but every born-again believer that's in the body of Christ, when we are living in harmony with one another and in with intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
That's when biblical community takes place. You can't have biblical community without these two things. Our intimacy with Jesus Christ and our harmony with one another. Now, we can get along with each other. I, I, I remember a, an episode. I bet you you do too if you're a big Andy Griffin fan, as I know some of you are. Where there was a husband and wife that were constantly arguing together. I mean, they couldn't say a kind word together if their life depended on it. And the neighbors began to complain because they were constantly shouting and screaming at each other. And it became a nuisance to the area in which they lived. So they, they sent the sheriff, Andy, out there to talk to this couple. And so he began to reason with them and tell them how important it was that they speak to each other kindly. And we know that they did. They began almost sarcastically, as they would speak to each other, they would say, Yes, dear. Okay, honey. Yes, sweetheart. But they were being kind with you. They were tolerating each other. You see, it's not enough just to be kind with each other. It needs to be sincere. It can only be sincere when we are in love with Jesus and we are in harmony with one another. While the actual word unity is only found a total of five times in Scripture, unity as a theme used by God through His Bible writers, is used 180 times in Scripture. Over 180 times in these 66 books, God talks about the importance on the theme of unity in the body of Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they function in unity. They function as one. Hear, O Israel, you are, there is one God. One God. We know that there is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So Tommy, if there are these three in the Trinity, how can they be one? Because they function as one. One body. Now God's desire is for His people, the people that He has redeemed and called to Himself, that we function as one body. And when we do that, we display His power and His glory to the world around us. Paul offers to us some keys to unlocking biblical community. And in these four verses that we've read together this morning, I think we're going to find that there are two primary keys that he gives us. And, and I want us to, as we look at these today, I want us to do so with, a, with the mirror of the Word of God in front of us so that we can allow the Word of God to, to, to reflect back to us who we really are. Are we living with these two keys in our possession? And are we using them to have biblical community, not just within this building, not just within this fellowship, 
but with all believers. All believers. What's that first T? The first T is, it's so simple. Are you ready? Loving Jesus. Just loving Jesus is the first key to unlocking biblical community. And, and the reason we know that is because when we love Jesus, there are certain characteristics, certain attitudes that He produces in us that only He can produce in us when we are living in a loving, intimate relationship with Him. And those are the, those attitudes, those characteristics are listed for us in those first two verses. Paul talks about the attitude of encouragement. A body of believers that love Jesus will actively encourage one another. A body that loves Jesus will encourage one another. Webster's online dictionary defines the word encourage as to inspire someone with courage. I, I like the picture of, of, of encouragement being that, that person who's, who's putting their, their fingers interwoven together and putting it down to lift someone else up. It is, it is inspiring someone with great courage, lifting them up when they are down. And let's face it, life can be tough and, and it can be discouraging at times. There, every person who is, is on this planet and every person in this room, we have had our times of discouragement. When we just seem down, when we're fighting and we're, we're fighting as hard as we can in the world that we live in, to raise our family well, to, to, to make sure we pay our, uh, our bills and meet our obligations, to be the very best employee that we can be for our employer and to be the best citizen of, of this state and of this nation that we can be. But it seems like in that, in that, in that fight, in that battle, sometimes we just get tired. We just get tired and, and we get discouraged. And that's when we need the body of Christ more than ever before. And only when we're loving Jesus can we encourage one another. Because that is a, a, an, an attitude that He produces in us. He is the encourager to the brokenhearted. Jesus is the encourager to the struggling. Jesus is the encourager to the down and out. Jesus is the encourager and the lifter of our head. Jesus is the one who, who brings us up and, and puts us back on solid ground when we fall short. He's the encourager. And when we are in love with Him, He begins to produce that attitude in us. And we become each other's encourager. I want you to understand that it is the desire of God to use you to encourage other people. There's also the attitude of consolation. He mentions that. Consolation is that act or that instant of consoling or comforting someone else. We know if we read the Gospels that Jesus was continuously bringing comfort and consolation. He would speak with people whose lives have 
had been destroyed by disease or by demon possession or or by the the, the heavy weight of a of a legalistic law that the, of religion that that buried them in the ground Jesus brought them comfort he brought comfort to the hurting and the struggling and the dying and he says of us, when, when you love me and you live with that intimacy with me, I will produce in you that, that, that attitude of consolation toward others. You know, there was a, something that Jesus said whenever he was preparing to leave his disciples. He said, the works that I have done, you've seen those, but you will do even greater works than these. How, Jesus, how can we do greater works than what you have done? It's very simple. If we take every person in this room that's a born-again believer and we begin to multiply Jesus in you, we begin to multiply the encouragement of Jesus, the, the consolation of Jesus, if we begin to allow Jesus to start living out through you and you begin to go out into this world representing and, and carrying with you the life and the love and the light of Jesus, you have multiplied the work that Jesus did on this earth. That's how we do greater things than he did. Not just the attitude of encouragement, not just the attitude of consolation. He said there's that, that attitude of biblical fellowship. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, he's talking about a fellowship that we've talked about many times that goes so Far beyond just being together, just being in the same place or, or having a meal together. Biblical fellowship is connecting our lives together. It's you hitching your life to mine and me hitching my life to you. And together we walk through this life together, glorifying the Jesus we both love. Bringing honor to the Jesus that we both serve. That fellowship is connecting our lives together and only when we are, only when we are actively in loving Jesus with our whole heart can we find that ability to truly experience biblical fellowship with other believers. What I want you to see is that these things that he's describing for us in these first two verses, this is what Jesus produces in us. When we live in fellowship and in love with Him, when we walk in intimacy with Him, He begins to build and grow these things in us. This is what He does through us. It's not what we do for each other. It's not what we do for others. It's what Jesus does in you. And then there's that attitude of affection and compassion. The Bible tells us plainly that God is love. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. He's the very source of love. He's the fountainhead of love. There is no pure love outside of God Himself. And, and when you and I are in love with Jesus, who, by the way, is God the Son, who is every bit God, He begins to produce that affection and compassion in us and that affection and compassion binds us together in unity and it can only be found when we are loving Jesus as we should 
as we're reading the first letter to the church in Revelation. What is it that Jesus tells them? You have left your first love. Oh, you look good on the outside, man. You got a lot of stuff going on out there. Man, y'all are busy as bees out there. But there's no, that there's no biblical community among you because you've left your first love. You see, we can't love each other until we love Jesus. We, we can't have the affection and the compassion for each other until we are in love with Jesus. Why? Because the love of Jesus produces these attitudes in us. As we grow in our intimacy with Him, it begins to overflow in our lives with these attitudes. And these are the attitudes that should always be present in the body of Christ. Is that we love Jesus and as a, as a result we, we produce these things that build up and edify and increase the body of Christ. Can I tell you something? If you show me a group of people that truly love Jesus, and as a result of truly loving Jesus, they are in unity together. I want to tell you, I, I think there's a lot of people out there who are searching, who would love to find out, who would love to come be a part of something like that because they're not finding it anywhere else. There's a second key. First key is so simple, isn't it? Love Jesus. Love Jesus. As the, they're trying to trip Jesus up. And they say, well, what's the great, what's the greatest commandment? What was the very first one he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. But then he brings us to the second key and, and, and he talks about that in verse three and in verse four. And that is loving others. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to love each other with the love of Christ. Pearl Bailey. How many of you remember Pearl Bailey? Anybody here remember Pearl Bailey? There's a few of you. We show our age when we raise our hand on that one, don't we? Pearl Bailey once said this, What the world needs is more love and less paperwork. And I like that. What the world needs is more love and less paperwork. The primary need, the most basic need every person on the planet has is to be loved by someone else. To be loved by someone else. Whether inside or outside our family of faith, we are to pursue the demonstration of love that we have for Jesus by sacrificing for others. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you something you already know. And, and, and listen, it's, it's okay to admit this to yourself. Our human nature, our fleshly nature is always bent on toward putting ourselves first and pursuing our own agenda. I, I, I had someone that, uh, on the associational level of things, we were, we were talking about some, a group, uh, uh, some work that a group of us had been working on now for about a year and a half and, and some things that we were putting together and, and someone said, well, I don't think it's right for you five or six to make all, to, to kind of make those decisions for the rest of us. Here was my response. Here's what I hear you saying. 
We didn't ask you. We didn't ask you. If you were one of the five or six, you'd be okay with it, wouldn't you? But we didn't ask you. You see, herein lies the problem. When we are in love with Jesus, we will sacrifice for others because Jesus and his love in us sacrifices for us. Here's what I'm, here's, here's what I'm trying to get at. The fleshly pursuit always undermines biblical community. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get it the way I wanted it. So therefore, I'm going to be mad at everybody. I'm going to pick up my toys and go. I, I'm, just going to stop, I'm just going to stop caring about everybody else. Because I didn't get what I wanted. Folks, I want to tell you, there are more churches that will split and die over the pursuit of personal agendas than any other reason. They will split and or die over personal agendas. And while our personal preferences may not always align, I know some of you, I can't figure you out. You don't like chocolate ice cream. You've told me that. What's, what's up with that? So our personal preferences may not always align with one another. I may like something different than you like. I, I may like something done differently than the way you like it done. But our personal goal as born-again believers should always be the same goal. And that is to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. And when we are fighting each other, we are not bringing glory to Jesus. And giving us an example to follow, listen to what Paul says. Verse 5, have the same attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, whoa. So of all the things he's going to use as an example, he's going to use Jesus. How do you argue with that one, by the way? Listen to what he says. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. What, what are we saying here? What, what, what is Paul trying to tell us about this loving each other? He's saying that if you want to know what it looks like to love other believers, if you want to know what it looks like to put others first, just look at Jesus. Contrary to popular, uh, popular belief, Jesus did not die on the cross because he felt like it. He didn't have anything else to do that day. His calendar was empty. Just seemed like a good thing to do. 
He didn't even want to die on the cross. How do you know, Tommy? Because the night before he is to be crucified, he is saying to the Father, if there is any way this cup can pass from me, Lord, please let it be so. He didn't die because he wanted to. He died because you and I needed him to. And Jesus understood that he and he alone was my only hope and your only hope. He understood that without the shedding of his blood, without the laying down of his life, without his death, you and I would spend an eternity in hell and there was absolutely, positively nothing we could do to stop it. So He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He laid aside being king. He laid aside being majestic. He laid aside the praise and the glory of all of heaven. And He came down to earth to sacrifice for you and me. Paul says, that's how you love each other. That's how Jesus wants us to love each other. In such a way that it's sacrificial. There's such a term that is out there and it's very real. It's called, the term is called church hurt and it's Generally used to describe someone who has been hurt or, and or disappointed by someone else in the church. And I think if we took a poll in this room today, almost every person in this room could honestly and truthfully say we have been hurt by someone in the church at some point. Might not even been this church. It may have been a, another church or a previous church or a church you went to as a child. But every one of us, if we're honest, could probably say we've been hurt and or disappointed by someone in the church. And usually that happens when someone is pursuing their own interest instead of the interest of others. Folks, it's so easy for us to get caught up into trying to push what we think is best that we fail to stop and consider our brothers and sisters in Christ And how our actions will affect them. Loving our church family. Loving our faith family. And living in biblical community involves us putting our interest aside. And putting others before ourselves. That's what Jesus did for you. And that's what Jesus did for me. These two keys unlock the ability and the capacity to enjoy biblical community with other believers. We've got to fall in love with Jesus again. That's where it starts. He's got to be so much more than just a name we speak on Sundays. He's got to be so much more than just someone we cry out to when everything's going wrong and when we need help. He, he needs to be so much more than that to us. 
There's a song that is a contemporary Christian praise song. We've sang it here, I believe, and here's, here's the words. You are the air I breathe. Jesus, you are the air I breathe. How badly do you need air? Just how, how badly do you need air? Can I tell you how badly? You die without it. That should be our heart's cry to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the air I breathe. I need you like the air I breathe. The, the psalmist put it this way. As the deer pants after the water, my heart pants after you, Lord. In other words, how much do you need water? Can I tell you how much you need it? You die without it. And the psalmist says, I pant for the presence and the closeness of Jesus like a deer pants after water. The air I breathe, the water I need, it begins with falling in love with Jesus. And then it, as we fall in love with Jesus and these attitudes are beginning to be cultivated in us, those attitudes of encouragement, consolation, fellowship, affection, compassion, then the very outpouring of it then becomes that we love each other as Christ loves us sacrificially. Loving each other to the point where we're willing to set our own agenda aside to pursue what is best for the brother and sister in Christ. But outside of a relationship with Jesus, we can't produce those, those attitudes. We might can try to fake them for a while, but we can't sustain them. But when we love Jesus, He produces those in us. And then we're able to actively begin loving each other. So here's my closing question. Or questions, if I may. How are you doing with these two keys? How are you doing with them today? I'm not asking you how do you think the person beside of you or across from you, in front of you, behind you, how you think they're doing. Can I, can I tell you what happens when we get confronted with the Word of God like this? We start thinking of the people we think should hear this. Isn't that what happens? In, in fact, uh, I used to tease with people. You, I've never had anybody do this here. So thank you for that. But in previous churches, I'd have people come out and say, Boy, you really told them today. And I said, Well, I was talking to you. You missed it. You see, it's easy for us to think, here's who needs to start doing that stuff. I can think of ten people right now. You want me to name them off real quick for you? That's what our tendencies to do, Right? But it's for us. God's not telling us what others need to do. God's telling 
us what we need to do for others. So how are you doing with these two keys? Are you loving Jesus? And are you loving others? It sounds so simple, but man, it is so hard. It's not easy. My dad used to say, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But everybody's not. So that tells you it's not easy. Are you pursuing the best interest of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you holding tight your personal agenda saying, well, when the time is right, I'm going to pull this puppy out. I'm going to straighten things out. Get it right. Or are you loving others first? In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing our hymn of invitation. This invitation is for me. And this invitation is for you. It's our opportunity to get things right in here. We've got to get things right here. It may be that this morning as we sing, you need to bow your head where you are or make your way to this altar and you need to find yourself in a posture of repentance toward Jesus. Repenting of the fact that You've not been loving Him and growing in intimacy with Him like you know you should. That's where we start, right there. i got to get right with Jesus. Once I can do that, then I can start loving others the way Christ demonstrated for me. Father, I thank You That your desire, your heartbeat, is for us to know and love Jesus intimately. That he not be more just an acquaintance or more of someone we know about, more of someone we Occasionally pray to, but that we know him more as our intimate Savior, the lover of our soul, the one who loved me so much, who loved that person sitting in that pew right now so much. That he would lay aside all the splendor and glory of heaven. To come to this broken earth. Walk among broken men. And to die on an old rugged cross. Not for sins that he had committed but for sins that I have committed and for sins that the person sitting in that pew right now has committed. God, you demonstrated your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us.
Help us to love you with an intimate love. And Lord, if we're not doing that, then right now I pray that in the stillness of this moment that we're crying out to you with a heart of repentance. Help us to love each other with that sacrificial, with that giving love that you demonstrated toward us. And these next few moments, Lord, bind our hearts together that we may be one as you and the Father are one. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.
Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. If no one's told you yet today, can I be the first one to tell you I love you? And I appreciate you so much. And I thank you for being here. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Brandon, will you close us in prayer? All right. Thank you, sir. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you thankful, Lord, that you have allowed us to enter this place, that you have allowed us to come to your throne to hear your message. Lord, may your word penetrate to the very heart of who we are. Lord, that we may leave this place united, bound together by love and the truth of your word, the truth of your gospel that has saved each of us. And Lord, as you have so loved us, may that love motivate us to love each other, that the world around us may see love And from that love, your light, your glory. Be with each of us as we go this place. May your hand of blessing be on each one, Lord, that is here. Bring us back safely at the next appointed hours. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.